fucking deep. I like it. These guys are jerks. Fucking deep. Bless you, boys. Young men expressing themselves. Unbelievable. Fucking deep. Put it in deep. Josh the line. Next move by Milano. Walking right in. Scores. What a goal. It's three. You know, getting pucks deep, putting the puck deep. Put pucks in deep. He's chipping pucks, he's getting pucks deep. Just put the puck deep. Getting pucks out, getting pucks deep. Get pucks deep, pucks in deep. Puck deep, pucks deep. Keep getting pucks deep. All right, here we are, Pucks in Deep podcast, episode 42. We are back. And let's go, we got a ton of shit to get through, man. I mean... I guess not necessarily like a ton of news and headlines and all that stuff, but there's a lot of uh, discussions, I think, to be had right here on the Pucks and D podcast tonight. We got a special guest coming in, Alex Hobson. He's a Niagara College broadcasting student, has a beauty band. We, uh, hopefully, you'll be able to listen to a little bit of that later. He's going to come in, let's go. We got a big game last night against the Capitals for our Leaf fans. You'll have to stick around. We'll be touching on that with Alex later. Lots of stuff going on in the headlines, too. Let's go. What do you got? Well, Alex also writes for Editor and Leaf. You should probably mention that. I did want to mention that, That's and then I kind of breezed right through. That's the hockey credential right there. I breezed right through. I got, I, got a, I'm, I'm a, I got attracted to the band. I'm a real groupie, you know? Yeah. So I'm like, hey, he's got a band. Bring You're him on the podcast. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I mean, we got, we got injuries to talk about. We got suspensions to talk about. I mean, we had a who's who of NHL elite star players last night, front and center, let's go, playing in some big games. I think for, you know, about seven, eight games into the season, some teams only three if you're the Rangers. But this early on in the season, I think for sure, last night was the best card of the uh, of the NHL season so far. We'll talk about some incredible highlights we saw last night. Vintage Sidney Crosby on that goal. Just incredible. Actually, I'm surprised you didn't go with that for the intro. I, 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 I didn't hear the call. I saw like a, I saw a clip of it on the internet, and holy shit, man. I, I looked through all of them. I looked through... Okay, so what did we have? We had the... I looked through the Crosby, McDavid goals, Eichel's goal, Carlson, basically because of that sweet play that the Caps did. I don't know. I'm sure you uh, saw it. Or maybe you weren't. I don't know if you were watching at that oh, point. Oh, yeah, I saw it. The nice switch play that they made. Ovi kind of dished it, and then he went all the way all the way out of the zone and then came flying back in, faked the clapper, and passed it over to Carlson. So that one was nice, but the cream of the of the crop was definitely Sonny Milano. I, I had to roll with the Sonny Milano highlight because it was just incredible. I actually happened to be watching it live at the time. And that's what I love about having the NHL package and stuff is you're able to flip-flop between these two games or sometimes you can have two games on the same screen at one time and your audio just goes to whichever one you want. And it's, it's an exciting time for me, man. Middle of October, season's right underway and we're getting some epic highlights early from some superstars and also guys like Sonny Milano, who maybe wants to throw his hat in the ring as a superstar. After yeah, a give, like that. Him, give him his moment in the sun, I guess. Right? Yeah, for yeah, sure. Feature him. That was a pretty good call as well. And probably a little bit more exciting just because it's unexpected. Oh. Like when I see some of the McDavid highlights or I hear that he has 16 points in seven games, <laughs> I'm like, yeah, so what? <laughs> Connor McDavid, what do you expect? Exactly. Like despite, you know, what you may think of the Oilers, I'm not surprised in the least 
that that he's putting up pretty near two points a game. Well, I, really, at this point in time, Lesko, I would say you could just full stop after the word surprised. I'm not surprised. What could he do out there that would surprise me? Yeah. To the point where I'm like, oh, my God, I can't believe he did it. You know, yeah. we're talking 10, 10 points or something like that, right? So probably never going to happen anyways. But, yeah, though, you're right. You're, you make a great point. Those guys are on another level. You kind of expect those top highlight level plays from those guys. But Sonny Milano comes in there, and <laughs> he's got that beauty name. You know, the mob boss is uh, throwing up the filth early on in the season. He's going to be uh, killing it at the 1v1 there for a while, just Ooh. taking down the taking down the big guns, the superstars. Yeah, and you know what? Um, actually... I didn't even put in here uh, James Reimer went, uh, dialed the clock back and made an absolute... 50 saves, I believe it was. Oh, I don't know how many he made, but yeah, I'll take your word for it. But he made a glove save that was right on the line. You know, one of those ones where the, the guy's like, no, no, we got to look at that. Where he's want... been flopping around for a bit. No, no, no. The You know, east to west movement and just reach behind you and, and save the one-timer right on the goal line. And they're they're using the overhead camera to see if his if after the puck went into his glove did the glove go across the line and it was like basically so inconclusive there was no way they could uh overturn it so it ended up being a great save for james reimer well carolina's getting some fantastic goaltending right now to both reimer and morazic so good story going on there they're off to a fantastic start um looks like Ajo's might be coming around as well i know he scored his i think it was first goal of the year just the other day so but them finding success, maybe when a guy like Ajo's not firing, uh, you know, if he gets going, then look out. But you know who's not getting good goaltending is the fucking New Jersey Devils. I'll tell you that much. Because between Snyder, who, again, has not quite returned to form, and Blackwood, these guys are getting lit up. My buddy drafted Snyder, like, so early in our draft. So I draft him, but late, like okay. at the last pick, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, but there still must have been someone else available. Oh, probably. Like, or were you kind of being like, man, this could be a huge steal, right? Like if he turns it on and gets back. Like to I it. said, I was high on Jersey going into the year, and now yeah. I look like a complete dumbass. We're only <laughs> fucking two weeks into the podcast and a week in the season. They're so fucked. I know. Like, I know Taylor Hall probably get it going. It sounded like he wasn't quite 100% coming back from that injury. Oh, okay. But, and I understand they made That's a lot fair. of changes there in New Jersey as well to uh, kind of up their comp- uh, competition level going to the season and push for the playoffs. But it doesn't, it doesn't seem to be working right off the bat. And they made an interesting move this week in sending down old Tommy Fitzgerald from the, from the manager's office down t- to be behind the bench. Yeah, how does that make you feel if you're John Hines? Not good. It can't. Cause it, but, and, you know, there, there's... There's talk out there that is more of a fact finding, like uh, let's get Ray on the bench and see what's going on in okay. the game at the ice level. Feel the but pulse. instead, do you have a necessarily uh, strong enough trust in your coaching staff to relay to the management what's going on on the bench? I don't know, man. It's just if I'm trying to do my thing, coach the team to the best of my ability, uh, you know, there's two sides to the fence, okay? The one side wants to blame the coach all the time. We're going to cover this with the Leafs later, for sure. Yeah. But you got one side that wants to blame it on the coach, and then you got the other side that wants to blame it on the players. I mean, there, there, there does come a time when those two are married together, okay? The coach isn't doing a great job, and the players aren't doing a great job either. It's not just one or the other. It, ha- it, it, it has to be a combination of both. And if you're John Hines, you're wondering, you know, why aren't my guys 
giving me a little bit more right now. Uh, I don't think you can expect five or ten points out of Jack Hughes or anything. But zero is a bit questionable. I mean, zero is questionable. It's going to take some time, I think, not just for guys like Jack Hughes to find their game at the NHL level, but for this team to find some cohesion. Because like I said, they did go through a lot of change and they brought in a lot of... Uh, a lot of additions, uh, but the offense uh, certainly hasn't been there, and it, it has to be better. I know if they don't get goaltending, they're fucked. They're probably not going to make the playoffs, even just even if the uh, offense does pick up. But, man, one of those guys better figure it out or they're in trouble because there's nothing out there. It's slim pickings out there. You're not finding starting goalies in the middle of the season. No, I mean, you have to make a trade, and I feel like they obviously – did what they wanted to do coming into the season. That's what the offseason is for, to get your team prepared for the upcoming season. And they must have been betting on Schneider well, of being course. better or, or at least getting a tandem out of these guys, but both of them are sub-900 save percentages right now. Uh, they're minus 16 after was, six games. I was just going <laughs> to say that. I, I don't know if you saw my face just now, but I saw that they're minus 16, and I went, oh, my God, I have to see you know who, who's – Who's closest to that mark? And the next closest are both Dallas and Minnesota at minus 11. And both of those teams are fucked too. Two teams that are <laughs> struggling. Wow, Struggling. Man. I mean, watching Mini play the other day against the Leafs, like, holy fuck, there's not a whole lot going on over there. No, and did you hear uh, Boudreaux's comments after the game? He's. I love. I love, I love Bruce. Bruce. I know. Isn't he the greatest? Well, he's a big Leaf fan too. That's why we love. Yeah, him. Yeah, yeah. Just is. he's just a character. Like every time they have him on ten fifty a lot when they're in town, and he's uh, he's quite the guy. Yeah, they have him on uh, pretty much any time Sirius is covering the Wild. You know, in their off season previews or something, they always try to get Bruce. And Bruce has a good relationship, I believe, with Jim Boomer Gordon on the show, who's probably my favorite guy on the whole show. So I listen to his all the time. He seems to have Bruce on all the time. He's got a good, uh, he's got a good relationship with Bruce, I think, because he's always, whenever he chirps the the wild, he always goes, "Sorry, Bruce, you know how it is." Like <laughs> he goes, "Sorry, Bruce, if you want to call in, you know, call in, give me heck, but I'm sorry, because you know he's basically saying what what the rest of us are saying going into the season. What were the Minnesota Wild? What are they going to be? Where are they going? What is Bill Guerin going to do? I don't want to spend five minutes on them again. Let's go. But no, the questions were there. And they're being proved to be the right questions right now as, yeah. the, as the Minnesota Wild stand with this season. I mean, I know it's early, man, but uh, it's over. I mean, the concern, I'm less concerned about teams like Minnesota and New Jersey um, other than my bad bet on New Jersey. But Fine. The but that team happens. I'm most concerned about has to be the Dallas Stars because they should be good. You look at that roster. I know they're not super deep up front. Um, they have a lot of firepower, but it kind of drops off in the third and fourth line. But they've got the goaltender. They've got reasonably decent defense, I think. They've got some good puck movers and guys who can contribute offensively back there. So I haven't had a chance to watch them, so I don't know how much I'm going to say further than that. I've watched them I know Jamie, by the look of the Jamie Benn's stats, it was, he got two points. He's right done. Now. That's not good enough. And Tyler Sagan's been quiet. I think he's got four points to start the year. That's not good. No, but he still looks good out there. Now, I'm not going to say... Okay, like, so you're saying Ben actually doesn't does look good? Does not look good out there. Oh, that's ben a looks, shame. Jamie Ben looks like a 50-point looks like guy max. Well, they, and he, what, put up 54 or 55 last year, and that was... That's dis- it. That was considered a disappointing season, I, I think. think that's it now. That's what I think, because I, I'm not going to say that I've seen a ton of their games, but the reason why I have seen enough of their games... 
is because I love the Dallas commentators. I have for years. I love the Dallas game. If there's a Dallas game, I will definitely put it on. Again, fuck, you think I'd be working for the NHL right now? Another we reason. We got a pretty entertaining group of players there, like a lot of talent. And Ben was one of the main reasons why I enjoyed watching that team play. Loved the way the guy played the game. And it wasn't that long ago he'd be a top 10 player in the NHL. Yeah. I mean, this guy's been calling games for Dallas for many, many years. So, I mean, I can even recall. My one, my good buddy Hendy. I'll have to give him credit for this because he's the one that told me about Dallas. He says, "Man, because he knew I was into broadcasting, you know, through my early twenties and stuff." So he's like, "Man, you should tune into some Dallas games because they've got really good guys." And and it's true when the other team scores, it's very exciting, you know, like they're very exciting all the fucking time. They make the game sound really exciting, so I always tune in. And so I, when they're on, I usually tune in for a few shifts. And that's all I see, man. Jimmy Ben comes over the ice, and it's not like any sort of threatening factor whatsoever. Whereas it used to be a huge factor when he comes over the comes over the boards. Like he was a big factor offensively all the time. And I don't know if he's ever going to get back. Well, I don't know about ever, but I don't know. At this point in time, I wouldn't be banking on anything special coming from from Jamie Ben in the near future. Yeah, it's a shame because you take one look at that line, and I I believe it should be one of the best offensive lines in the NHL, and it just doesn't seem to be happening for them. I know uh, uh, Rajlov and Sagan uh, had better years, I'd say, overall than Ben, but um, I want to cycle back for a moment to the uh, Devils as well. I don't know if you heard Friedman, I believe he was on the radio, talking about the possibility of the Devils not being able to re-sign Hall. Hall is the big free agent story for those who aren't following it going into this upcoming summer. Um, oh, that sounds good, talking about summer, eh? <laughs> we just had it. <laughs> anyway, so the, the the funny part of what what he said was that if Taylor Hall were to become available because New Jersey couldn't sign him, that the Oilers would most definitely be interested. Well, you know what? I heard someone joking about that even last week, maybe. So would they take him back for Larson, one for one? <laughs> oh, my God, imagine. Like, clearly not. But, I mean, what... Maybe that's something that they would be looking into, though, dude. Like, Edmonton, they're off to a great start. They keep that up. I don't know if adding Taylor Hall is necessarily what you need, though, at this point. They could always use more wingers, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. I don't know if James Neal is going to rip 40 home this year. I don't think that's necessarily in the cards. The other point I wanted to make, though, about the Devils was how long before the media blames everything that's going on about the Devils on P.K. Subban? Ooh, very interesting. You know, that's actually not like the worst theory, though. It's not. Because but it sounds like it sounds like a narrative. Somebody is going to string along at some point yeah. or another because just because that shit has followed PK, no matter where he's been, regardless of how he's playing the game. Yeah, but it's not always about how you play the game. No, I know that, right? but it's I love. I love how that's always been a story, and even if it's necessarily actually been one or not, and you know we're not privy to what's going on no, no, in the dressing room. But no, but come I'm on, not, I'm not speculating on it either. I'm just saying I feel like somebody's going to pedal that that narrative at some point. They're pedaling that bike. <laughs> yeah. I like that. They're just they're yeah, getting but, geared up. They're stretching. They're putting the putting make sure the chains all greased up. But on listen, the bike. though, man, come on. Where there's smoke, there's fire. Yeah, but we're, there's no smoke at this point. There's time, no smoke. Right? Are you sure? Well, this, I smoke talking about team or Subban. No, I did Subban specifically. Like, why does a guy with his talent level get moved so much? It's a good question. It is a good question. So that's where the narrative kind of exists, and 
I, I wouldn't. I agree with you. I wouldn't want to. Okay. I wouldn't want to pursue. Because from it. a hockey perspective, it's always been like, well, his cap hits has been his situation. Oh, I see what you mean. Yeah, fine. But like, I mean, you're 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 moving this guy along. He's been a very important part of the of the puzzle wherever he's been, and then all of a sudden he's. He's 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 out of there. Yeah, right? I think I have to think the Devils are all in on Subban. That's why they acquired him, and it doesn't hurt having some characters on your team that the fans can connect with and help put butts in the seats. Because places like New Jersey, that's what they're focusing on doing, and it's part of why they're becoming competitive or trying to become more competitive. Um, so, how many points do they have? Is it one? What have they? What have they done? They've, I'm not sure. I didn't feel the need to look. I just knew it was bad. No, the only reason why I'm pulling. I out had their record after six. They had zero four, uh, zero four and two. Oh, they have two points. Yeah, that's yeah, it. So they so, have, so they have two points. Um, they need to get to ninety six. Is what uh, is what the pugnets are saying. Ninety six will get you in. I, I personally, I think that might even be low. Let's go. Montreal got uh, Montreal missed. Where's my note? Montreal missed, Montreal missed with 96. Right. Okay, so so if you have to get 96 just to maybe make it, they need to get 94 points in the next 76 games. I think the projections this year are that the upper echelon of the Atlantic might not have the same distance between them as the rest of the pack. Fair. And that the teams are kind of in the bottom of the Eastern Conference, you could argue New Jersey, New York, um, Ottawa, they've all gotten a bit better like okay. you could even make it there's an argument to say detroit is a little bit better yeah, this okay. year than last year so you're saying a few more points to be stolen by the right. the, the medium and bottom yeah to, to to lessen the gap okay i mean that's fair but i still i still don't think that 96 is guaranteeing you to get in at this point i like especially with the eastern conference the way that the Eastern Conference plays hockey with all the goal scoring. Right. Right. The West. Octane off. Yeah, the West seems to be a little bit more chill out and play some low scoring games. Your Anaheims, your Arizonas, your LAs, they're, you know, I know that those aren't great teams as far as last year is concerned. Anaheim is off to a good start. Sorry, Anaheim, no offense. But last year they struggled. There was no goal scoring there. But. With the Eastern Conference, I don't think any teams are going to wait around, dude. There was this thing last year, they called it the Turtle Race. And it was the Western Conference playoff race because it was a bunch of fucking turtles just kind of moving along ever so Teams slowly. Just limping Everyone along. Everyone was losing. They and were then, just limping yeah, along. Yeah, you're like, and oh, no, really... we lost. And then they fucking lost. Yeah, and... it, it took a while to settle the picture, if I recall. Yeah, correctly. meanwhile, Montreal was doing nothing but win. And unfortunately, because everybody else at least won at a decent pace, they got left on the outside in, looking in. Too little, too late for you, Montreal. Sorry. Yeah, um, too bad. Are we concerned? What's what's the level of concern for Tampa Bay right now? Okay, so I I mean, I don't think their winning record. They looked. I mean, in that game against the Maple Leafs, they looked unbelievable because they totally took them to the fucking cleaners. I think our pod, but then they got dusted by Ottawa. Yeah, I know. I think our pod comes uh, maybe a few hours too early for me to actually answer this question confidently because tonight Tampa plays Boston, and I think. That would be a good hockey I game. think we're going to get a good, good, good handle on exactly what the concern level is for Tampa. If they come out and throw an egg against the Bruins, and I don't mean a donut or a shutout. I just meant like a bad game. If they, if they come out and shit the bed here against the Bruins, concern level is ramping up. But if they come out and play a game like they did against the Leafs, which was a great game, 
then I think everything is okay. But it's pretty interesting to note, let's go, they're a league worst 25.7 shots per game and 29th in shots allowed allowing 34.2 per game. And those That's are bad. Some, those are some concerning metrics too because I you know I wish we actually had the last year's stats to compare them to but I assume they're much better than that. I mean a team with the kind of differential that they were posting and the amount of goals they were scoring. Now they're not yeah, other than the Maple Leafs I don't think they've been then crushing anybody. I mean they just took Montreal 3-1 three, three the other day. Um I'm still not concerned, and there's no. I, I think there's not a lot of reason to be when you look at that team and look at that roster. I just wonder if I wonder how Stan Cross feels about it because you have to think that uh, after a game in Ottawa, after what he said after what game two, game three, that he couldn't have been too impressed with the team, and that there still might be this uh, uh, pussyfooting around going on in that dressing room and on the ice. Well, you would think that after he comes out and calls out his teammates, his teammates are going to say, okay, guys, this is our fucking leader here. This is a guy that, well, I can't say makes the big bucks because I guess <laughs> they got a lot of guys that makes the big, make the big bucks there. But you know what I'm saying, figuratively speaking. Like, he's our leader, and he's come out and said to us, we're not, we're not picking up our, our weight here. So they would need to have some sort of response, and they haven't had any. It's like they're having training camp in September instead. Like they, they, <laughs> coasted, they coasted. Uh, yeah, in October. <laughs> sorry, they they coasted so hard in September at training camp, and then now they're now they're just getting warmed up here in the first little bit. Um, yeah, not not overly concerned, but obviously frustrating. I mean, it's frustrating if you're a fan of any team that has high expectations and they they get off to a, a poor or even an up and down start. Like, yeah, I feel like Tampa's having a similar, probably having a similar thoughts to what the Leafs are having about themselves right now is, is the lack of consistency and figuring it out when you think you necessarily are going to walk in there and have made, but you look over at the Bruins, they, they look the same. They're chugging along They're You know, they're getting excellent goaltending. Once again, yeah. they're getting shitload of goals. It looks like Marshan could be, you know, chasing a hundred points again this season. Um, everybody seems to be in fine form. Uh, Tampa was about middle of the pack last year in shots per game at 32. So early in this season, um, they're, they've, they've seemed to have lost seven shots per night, um, you know, somewhere between the uh, puck drop and the final whistle, which doesn't seem like too much, but they were only two shots on average off the lead. So they were middle of the pack. You might think, geez, that doesn't sound very good, but they were very close to, right. to being up there. Um, in terms of their shots allowed last year, let's go, they were at 32.1. So that's kind of close to what they're doing right now. But uh, Trading jobs, just yeah. just back and forth. Yeah, sure. North-south kind of hockey games. And they've yeah. got the skill. But I think that does really actually open up the key to Stamkos' argument is – we think we're just going to zip it around and score on on our on our one shot, so we don't take our shots, right? Too fancy, uh, pussyfooting around, thinking that we're better than everybody else. Just shoot the puck, get it on net, get rebounds, <laughs> score some g- dirty ones, and that kind of makes sense. If you're losing seven shots a game so far, it's probably because you're passing up opportunities to rip the fucking thing. I would imagine, and I think that there uh, there there's probably frustration going on there, but at the same time, they they still have to have a pretty big level of confidence you don't just rattle off 60 wins sleepwalking through a season but 
you have to think, and I assume that some of this would be similar. The problem that I see oftentimes with the Maple Leafs is the play without the puck. Everybody's excited to have the puck and try and, you know, snipe some goals. But when it comes to playing defense, you know, they're waiting for someone else to do the heavy lifting instead. Yeah, I mean, it's important to note, too, that John Cooper himself had mentioned that he didn't know how to even talk about this, but perhaps there was a way to make sure that the team didn't check themselves out in February because they were just running rampant over the league. Right, right. You know, and they had nothing to play for, and then all of a sudden they get swept in in the first round of the playoffs against a team that had everything to play for basically since January of the trade deadline when they made all those fucking moves. Yeah. Columbus, obviously, right? So I don't know how you go out there and fucking tell your boys to what, not win? Because to not, to not dominate the league, they're going to have to lose some games. And you're not telling me that any hockey player out there is throwing fucking games. So I'm not even going to have that argument with you. I'm just wondering if they have some of them might have the mentality of like this is our preseason right now. The playoffs are fucking are where it's at, you know. It's like they're almost already in April mentally thinking yeah. thinking about bigger aspirations. But anyway, I don't get too hung up on them. We've dedicated enough time to those guys and even earlier in the in the show. I think when you have the expectations of Tampa though, all it takes is a couple bad games yeah, before true. everybody wants to it's a story it's that definitely is. a story well but. it's funny people are talking about tampa's struggles quote unquote yet they played the leafs and i saw the best team in the world yeah, they looked unbelievable <laughs> <laughs> right? like, like, man. you know and, and the least aside from the, maybe the first period when they just kind of traded jobs with them but anyway on to a more positive story there patrick Marlowe returned Marlo. to action, uh for the uh san jose sharks and i'm pretty sure on the show i may have given them shit about their expectations and having them plotted on the first line. What does he do? He goes out and reps two goals. And then he made a very emotional return to uh, home ice there in San Jose at, uh, at the game. And it looked like the uh, crowd was pretty pumped to see him back. Oh, they love him in the shark tank, the SAP center. I mean, it's and why wouldn't they he scored what franchise you know, leader, 600 goals or whatever for Fran- your franchise, yeah, franchise so. leader in, in goals and points. And I mean, you could really tell, the emotion in the crowd and they went through the crowd and obviously the cameramen or camera women or whatever had, you know, Marlowe jerseys picked out to, to put on the screen. Oh, yeah. And there were tons of them and people, one lady was... They may have those old 90s ones too. Uh, I didn't, I didn't see... Like the, the, the egregious teal one? Yeah, okay, yeah. Okay, yeah. the Owen Nolan? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Like the brightest teal you've ever seen. Uh, yeah. You know, I saw one lady was crying like it was a big deal. You know, it was nice to have him back. That's and pretty cool. What a wicked way to have your second debut or whatever you want to call it, your return to glory. Yeah, yeah. And I know they, they treated him nice when he went back there with the Maple Leafs as well. Uh, so I guess one of the other big stories from the last week was St. Louis um, honoring the well, it's somewhat not as much of a tradition these days of uh, going to the White House to meet with the president and for the photo op and, I don't know, stroke each other off session, whatever else they do at that thing. I don't know. I don't really pay a lot of attention to it. I know it's uh, often been a bigger headline in some of the other major sports uh, due to the nature of some of the things going on down in the States right now. But... Uh, 
the Blues showed up, and if I'm not mistaken, their whole team did. It was uh, mandated by the team. Ah, yes. Now, it wasn't mandated to the point where they said, every one of you fuckers is going. And they all had to say, oh, okay, I guess I'm going. They basically said, okay, either we're all going or no one's going. Right, so who objects here? Who's going to speak up and, and say I guess, that you know, they don't want to go? Maybe there was two or three. I don't know. They're not going to release that kind of information to us anyway. But even if there were some some guys opposed to it, they sucked it up and they went anyway. So I, I really do applaud them for, you know, making breaking that barrier, I guess. Let's not have any fucking conversations about who's not going to the fucking White House. Let's just go and celebrate our cup. It doesn't matter who the fuck is in charge or in office when we won. But we won. It's a tradition. We're going to go and get it all out of the way. And they did. And congratulations to the Blues. My favorite was when the Red Wings went and met with George Bush. And he called him Z- Steve Zerman. Or was that Bill Clinton? I can't recall. I think it was Steve, Clinton. It was Clinton called Steve Zerman. Steve Zerman, yeah. That was a good try. Yeah. And then, yeah, because he's like, over the blue line and Steve Zerman. Zerman. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're right. It was yeah, good yeah. for sure. You know what, though, dude? At the end of the day... Sports and politics don't mix. That's all it is for me. I, I guess. I guess so. They don't. But, but it's all over sports. If if you don't want to have sports and politics, get rid of the anthems. No military appreciation nights. None of all this collective bullshit. Well, that, no, that's that, not necessarily true. The flag doesn't only represent politics. Military doesn't only represent politics. But it's all political, though. No, it depends on how you how you uh, digest that. How you approach it. So going going to the. White House and hang out with the president's not political? That's political. Right. But you said anthems and military appreciation. Yeah, I don't think the, those are the only political. people say get politics out of sports, though, then get rid of anything political. I mean, national anthem is a nationalistic celebration of your country. You know what I mean? Like, it's... There's so yeah, many but when you're at the There's ring. so many connections to politics in hockey. You think about the history of the military's connection to hockey, but all the guys oh, who went sure. to war back in the day. Yeah. It's it's totally ingrained in, in hockey and hockey culture. There's always uh, people making references to battle and all this kind of shit, right? And there was some incredible hockey players who left to go to war and come back and did incredible things on the ice. Oh, I totally so agree. It's, it, it's inherently a, a political game, and I think the people who want to Say, like, I don't want politics or my music or my sports, whatever. I, t- I get that, and you, people use things as escapes, but everything's inherently political, whether we like it or not. It's just whether you choose to fucking acknowledge it and pay attention to it, right? Yeah, but I don't know. I still kind of I, I still don't know if I fully agree, because it's like when you're, when you're singing the anthem at the hockey game, you're not thinking about the, the laws that have recently passed or, or who is— like who's going to be voted in on October 21st. I hope it's not Trudeau or I hope it's, you know what I mean? You're not thinking about those things. You're thinking about the game and you're thinking about like your Canadian boys against those American guys. Like let's dial back to when it was, you know, Calgary and Tampa, for example, or something like that. And, 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 and the whole arena is singing the song. It has nothing to do with politics in that moment. I know what you're saying and, I, and you're not wrong that the song or the anthem or whatever. I suppose, but the anthem's a political manifestation. I know it right? is, but like in that moment, no one's talking about conservatives or liberal or Democrats or Republicans. Is it a bit of an unusual, unusual tradition? I, I think maybe. I think at this point now... Well, it's not the Olympics, right? No, like it's not I agree. Where we are, we don't need it anymore. Yeah, where we are, right. we don't really need it anymore. But it has evolved from... I mean, I'm pretty tradition. sure they used to say, sing "God Save the Queen" back in the day. And well, shit they like still that do it, too. Really. 
because of which is odd too because america does not have any relationship to the monarchy yeah whereas canada does oh no sorry they sing god bless america Oh, they said, oh, yeah. They God sing God Bless America, America in Philly. Yeah, and it's they're like, fuck the queen, God Bless America. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then, yeah, we sing, uh, no, 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 you know what it is? It's the Lumber Kings that sing God Save the Queen, Mr. John Yakabuski. Oh, he sings God Save the Queen in the games? God Save our Nobody. If it's John Yakabuski, of course it's political. You yeah. can't have a fucking well-known politician for 30 fucking years come sing God Save the Queen and it doesn't have anything to do with politics. He goes and like sings songs for old people like in his spare time. He's a good singer. He's a good like human being though. Yeah, that's he that, is a good that's human being. That's the thing being. like, you know, political stripes aside, the guy's like a, he's a, he's a, He's a you beauty. Wouldn't, you wouldn't really necessarily take him for a politician if you just met him and yeah, didn't, that's a didn't good point, know yeah. what he did for a living. Johnny Yak is a is is a good time. Old Valley Legend, basically. Yeah, there. Valley Legend for sure. Uh, you want to talk about this uh, this dude here who got suspended from Vegas? Zykov uh, Valentin. The whole fucking team is is juicing. Like, what's going on down there? I don't know. The first thing I thought of when I saw his name was I thought he was a character from Goldeneye, or like Dragon Ball Z or something. <laughs> Like you can only use the golden like, gun. Like he's a Bond with, villain with Zykov Valentin. That's right. <laughs> and they would turn the corner and be like, Pikoo, you know. Oh. Okay. So anyway, back to hockey. Uh, yeah, Zykov Valentin, Vegas Golden Knights, suspended 20 games for performance-enhancing drugs. So, a couple things to digest here. A um, couple layers of the onion to peel back, if you will. Where do you want to go first? Because I don't know where I want to go first. There's lots to do here. I think for me, it's the fact that it's Vegas again. It's Vegas again. Yeah, it's kind of it's kind of weird. Nature. You gotta assume it's a fucking coincidence, and but the, I think the weirdest part is is how the team you know really backed Nate Schmidt, and then to to the, for the team they basically threw him on the bus. They're like he knowingly took these, in which I believe he had admitted to the team that he had been taking these for several years. But then the team also said in the same statement that. They closely monitor their diets, right. their supplements, the everything. Med, uh, you know, everything to do with their their um, with their health. So somebody, something doesn't add up here, right? Like, there's these statements seem like there's a bit of a conflict here between them. They're not jiving. That's what we said just before we we went on air. We were talking about it for a moment, and the two stories aren't jiving. One, the the other important thing for me, Lesko, was the actual statement from the Golden Knights that specified that he knowingly took it. The word knowingly was used. I found that strange. The word knowingly was not used when Nate Schmidt was suspended. No. And then when whatever the fuck this guy's name is. In his, public, st- in his public statement or the statement he made through the PA or whatever the fuck did not say that he knowingly took it. It was what I guess he told the team and the team had which can't be true out there, right? So it can't be true. So they have a list of things. What's the team trying to like create some distance between them and the player? Because if what uh, fucking Zykov here is saying is true, then the team let him may, may not have acted in good faith if they weren't proactive in this situation. Because say that he did tell the team, and they know him for a year, let's say that he was taking this shit and just chose to ignore it. Like, that doesn't make any sense either. So I, I'll be interested to see if, if we do end up getting more of a story here, maybe check in with the Vegas beat writers there and see if the 
one of them gets the scoop on this, but I feel like there's more there's more to this that we don't have yet. We should reach out from the Pucks and D podcast, see if we can bring him on the show. Yeah, right. <laughs> we'll, we'll have another little guest to the show. Any guest with a blue check mark is a friend of mine, right? Oh, yeah? Um, okay, so my fiance said something interesting earlier today before she left to study. Um, she says, oh, Vegas. I wonder if that's why they almost won the other year. Because they're all juicing. <laughs> they're all, I don't know if it's juicing or taking this one thing that goes under the radar or something. I mean, what do, do you honestly just 100% believe fully that it was that it is just a coincidence that coincidence that it is two Vegas players or are you putting any sort of stock into the fact that you know what's up out in Vegas I'm not I'm not big on conspiracies so. okay well I'm not calling it a conspiracy I just mean like well, you're starting it right now well, not it's really I mean two it. fucking guys in I Vegas mean, this, this shit could blow up over the next few days like you might, know. you might have started a major fucking conspiracy. I started a big rumor about Dustin Bufflin that was fucking out there for five minutes, and then Bob McKenzie stepped on it and called it true. <laughs> fucking McKenzie cutting your grass. Well, he kind of cut my grass, because, like, you know what, Bob? People yeah. consume your podcast immediately. People consume your tweets immediately. He hang him up. He hung him up on the podcast, or the Bobcast. Oh, he's not doing the Bobcast anymore? Yeah, yeah, apparently not. You know what I found strange, dude? He was doing the one of the other games. Okay, I can't remember. Who cares? Uh, for NBC, and at their intermission, they said, oh, we now bring in our hockey insider, Bob McKenzie. Bob, what's going on? Blah, blah, blah. And he's at TSN. Oh, yeah. But the TSN logo isn't in the background. He, no. It's just like a red wall, but you can tell by the fucking wall right. and the table he's at right. um, that is TSN. So I found that a little strange, dude. Like, Do you think that's just a, like a side deal between NBC and TSN? Because Bob has to be at the studio to do his intermission report for TSN right. and then he, he can only give probably three or four minutes to NBC they're paying he, him too he, he has to go over there they're paying him too he has to go sit over there and fucking do yeah. it next to Hedger or something they're paying him too so of course they are yeah they, they're entitled to his time as well right so he's got to juggle those two things seems strange though like it seems weird that TSN would be okay with being like yeah Bob come on in and do our intermission and then I guess you know on your break we'll let you use the spare room yeah yeah. and you can do it when you're a fucking legend there too I'm pretty sure yeah well that's what I said to my well we're all taken care of and maybe catered to a little bit yeah that's what I said to my buddy I guarantee you he's, he's obviously got a lot of pull there so um, anyhow, I don't even really remember what, uh, what we were talking about, but we want to head to break and tee up, uh, Alex Hobson. So yeah, you, uh, you mentioned that Hobson writes for editor in leaf and I'm excited to, to bring it up whenever, uh, whenever he gets on the line here, we'll have a quick fiver and then we'll, uh, we'll, uh, we'll bring in Hobson, but it's pretty funny because, uh, I remember he was writing for, um, editor in leaf and I was like, dude, that's awesome, man. Like I was all excited for him and. Um, I'm like, you know what? We should try and get the pod on there. And he's like, oh, yeah, no, bro. They won't go for it. <laughs> like, they absolutely won't go for it. I was like, what do you mean they won't go for it? It'd be so sick. Like, do they have any pods? Because I thought, okay, we're not going to cut their grass if they have, like, editor and leaf podcasts or something. Right. And, you know, I wouldn't even be wanting any retribution. I was just hoping for us to get some traffic, you know? Like, even if they shared a link or something, we'd be like, oh, here's some fucking hard-hitting dudes that just don't care about anything and just say what they feel talking about the Leafs, but he's like, yeah, they, 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 wouldn't let it, they wouldn't let that happen, man. So I was like, fuck them, you know? <laughs> so I was like, I'm going to chirp them whenever you come on, but he, I'm just joking with them. Probably should not throw them under the bus. No, I won't throw them under the bus. Probably not a good idea. It was a good, uh, it was a good time. You know, uh, he does some good work uh, with them, though, for, uh, for prospects specifically, 
he covers a lot of stuff. Uh, I think he does like game, post game stuff too. Did you yeah, mention yeah, that? Yeah, yeah, I checked out one of his articles. So, there. all right. So coming up next, Alex Hobson, editor in Leaf, and lead singer of No Service. Catch him on Spotify. Uh, we'll be right back with Alex in a moment. Back from our break here on episode 42, Pucks and D podcast. Follow us on Twitter at PuckPod, at Let's Go Adam, at Coleman42. And uh, that's right, folks. That's the voice of our special guest, Alex Hobson, lead singer, guitarist, lady schmoozer for an up and coming band, No Service in the GTA. And uh, what do you think about that nice little intro there, Let's Go, for that tune? Caught nice up in the talent. moment. Great tune. A man of many talents. Well, I guess we're going to find out where the rest of his talents lay. Why don't we uh, bring him right in here, Alex? How you doing, buddy? Hey, Coley, let's go. Thanks for having me, boys. Man, great to have you on. I know you've been uh, chomping at the bit, so they say, uh, to get your yeah, to get bit. your due on the Pucks and D podcast. You know, it's kind of flattering for me. I think that's flattering to us, isn't it? Let's go. Guy wants to be on. Hey, man, when am I on? He says, "Put me in, coach." <laughs> yeah, fuck. <laughs> it's been a long it's been a long time coming in my opinion well you know what maybe that should be the title of your next song there we go long time coming <laughs> yeah. close to long time running by the hip but i think we can make it work you can, <laughs> okay nice i like it so speaking of uh you know of the hip and 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 music in general alex uh tell us a little bit about the band no service before we start uh rattling your ear off about hockey how's that band going for you how long have you guys been together and where do you see yourself uh in the near future down down the gta yeah, so we um, <clears throat> we just got started. I'd say, I, honestly, I think it's right on the dot about a year and a half ago. It was April April 2018. And uh, <clears throat> it's funny enough, we actually all met through a Kijiji ad. Okay, oh, wow. nice. That it's, seems old school. Bit, I like it. It's a little bit risky. You don't know what you're getting there. I didn't know if I was going to be meeting up with a fucking serial killer. <laughs> but you still don't know. It's only about a year and a half. Seeing guys around my age playing instruments and... Uh, yeah, we just kind of kept going. Uh, we recorded, went into the studio, recorded an EP, and uh, I just started playing shows, trying to get our name out there. And we just came off of a little mini tour uh, with a uh, band called Revive the Rose and a band called The Jailbirds. And I know you're really high on Jailbirds, Coley. Oh, man. Like, you, you shared something on your Facebook page about The Jailbirds, and I immediately felt terribly because there I was... Like being, being like, man, these guys are fucking unreal. Meanwhile, you've got your band. Like, I've told you I listen to your band songs, and I like them, you know? But I felt bad because I, I was, like, pumping the tires for another band. And meanwhile, there's you sitting there being like, hey, thanks a lot, Coley. <laughs> pump their tires more than I pump my own, honestly. Like, Well, and I use their tune as a walk-up for my hardball league, too, because they're so yeah, good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember you telling me that. That's fucking sick. Yeah. They're, uh, no, they're wicked talented, and they were super fun to hang out with. And that whole tour was a blast because it was there was a lot of stuff crammed into two weekends. Like it was it was just over two weekends. We had one weekend it was like four shows in a row, and the next one was two. But 
we uh yeah we we're all, we're all good we're good friends with those guys and we just um we just meshed really well and the whole, every night it was just you know just having some drinks smoking dope and uh playing music and it was our first time in a lot of the cities that we played in which just made the experience so much more fun and what cities uh, just a great time what cities did you guys hit yeah so we hit uh kitchener and kitchener waterloo in toronto um well we're from kitchener waterloo so that was like our hometown show Nice. And then uh, we played Toronto, which we played once before, and then we made our debuts in Oshawa, Peterborough, um, Niagara, and London. Excellent. How do you do four shows in a row, dude? Like as the singer? <laughs> it, was, it, it was a bit of a grind. It was Thursday night, Friday night, Saturday night, Sunday night. So wow. it was, and you, you know, obviously we all have our own commitments. Uh, we had uh, all of us either had you know work or school. So there was no staying overnight. We were driving to and from Kitchener and back for each show. Oh, it was wow. Fine, but it was a, just a hell of a time. It's completely worth it. But I mean, like, vocally speaking, like, I, I've, I've, um, <laughs> I'm not like in a band. I, I've played with a band uh, and, did this, and did the singing, just the singing. No, I'm not that talented to do anything else. But I found it difficult to fucking get through the sets. By the end of the sets, yeah. I had to do the songs in order so that I didn't have to scream later you know <laughs> how do you yeah, do four days in a row crazy the thing with that is um we planned this whole tour back in march and i was at the same spot that you were there where i was like i could barely even get through one set and my voice would be done by the end of the night but um i ended up because i knew i had this tour coming up i'm thinking okay i'm not gonna burn my fucking voice out on night one that's just not gonna happen yeah so i actually i took some vocal lessons over the summer and i just kind of figured out better ways to conserve my voice so i'd be able to make it make it through i, I mean obviously by the fourth night i was sounding uh sounding a little rougher than the first but yeah yeah naturally I made it through, so right on well good stuff man so uh before we move on where can the uh listeners uh find uh, some of your some of your music my man uh, yeah, you can check us out on every streaming outlet out there, honestly. This Spotify, Apple Music, Google Play, um, YouTube, if you've got none of the above. Pretty much anywhere you'd listen to music, or our stuff's released there. So Okay, right on, man. So again, that's uh, called No Service. And uh, Alex, uh, for yourself, why don't you uh, let the listeners know where they can uh, throw you a follow on Twitter as well, where I know you're often sharing some of your decent articles and your good articles in-depth uh, look into the Toronto Maple Leafs on Editor and Leaf. Yeah, uh, Twitter, you can follow me at uh, Hobson816, and uh, that's pretty much the only place I drop my articles, so it's not going to go down a list of all the social medias. That's pretty much all that matters. Right <laughs> okay, right on. So, um, yeah, so Editor and Leaf, um, is that something that, you know, you kind of had your, your eye on, or um, how has that uh, come to, you know, be formed for yourself uh, currently in uh, radio broadcasting uh, in Niagara College, correct, Alex? Yes. That's right. Um, so essentially, I, like, I've been writing about the Leafs. I'm, not, I'm 20 now. I just turned 20. Um, I, was, I, I started writing articles about the Leafs back when I was 15. And oh, wow. I, obviously at 15, you're not going to find any websites that are going to hire a 15-year-old to write. So I kind of made my own blog. And, you know, it was just a place for me to get started. I had so much shit that I wanted to say, but all of my friends that followed hockey closely cheered for other teams. So I couldn't go here and rave about fucking William Nylander because they'd be like, who's that? <laughs> okay, um, yeah. So I, I needed somewhere to put my put my thoughts. And uh, I, I, I came up with my own blog, and I it had a really cheesy name. I forget what. I think it was like Puckheads United or something. Okay. And uh, 
So I, I wrote there for two years, and then uh, one of my uh, mutual friends told me about Editor and Leaf. They said, you know, they're, they, they take on a lot of brand-new writers pretty frequently. Like, you, all you have to do is go to their website, apply, and give little information about yourself, and odds are they'll take you on board. And I, that was back in, like, I think May of 2017, and that's just been history from there. And honestly, the, the thing with Editor and Leaf is they're part of this big whole company called FanSide, and they've got a website like Editor and Leaf for every sports team, like NFL, NHL, Major League Baseball. Yeah, I've seen it. Like, I think I think they even go down to college football. So, like, it, there's just um, like they've got such a big following, and they're called FanSided because it's literally just a website driven by fans. Yeah, yeah. All the content here, is from fans, right? Exactly. They're yeah. out here hiring fans who have something that they want to say. And honestly, the co- the people who comment on the article seem to think that they should be hiring like fucking TSN quality journalists. Which isn't <laughs> accurate at all. Okay. Um, but yeah, and honestly, I, just going back to the going back to the band thing, I like to consider, I like to compare editor and lease to like a venue. Say it's like if you're in a band and you're playing at a venue that you can get a show there whenever you want, and you're guaranteed to have an audience of like a hundred people. That's pretty much what editor and lease like because. Like there's just such a huge following for it. I get I, I get like an average of ten to twenty thousand views on my articles, and that's on the lower side. Yeah, that's crazy, dude. That's to, awesome. Well, once you start to make a name for yourself, it's just uh, it, it's really nice because you get as a writer, you want feedback on your articles. It's even if it's people saying, "Oh man, you suck at writing. Go kill yourself," etc. <laughs> like honestly, you like having feedback and like having people say, "Oh, you know, I really liked your take on that," and I kind of disagree here. It's just cool to know that people are actually reading your shit, right? Well, I like I like what you said about, you know, guaranteeing that you're going to have 100 fans be at every show, right? So it's a nice, yeah. comfortable feeling. It's kind of the same idea with, with our podcast, Lesko. We've, we've seen um, it, during the peak of the season anywhere from 80 to 100 uh, weekly weekly listeners, which can, like, really exactly. make me feel better. Like, I only need maybe 8 to 10 people <laughs> to be actually just listening. Just to keep going. Just to keep going, you know? Oh, my God. I can't believe people are listening to me fucking rant about Mike Babcock all the time. But but people but people do, you know? So that's what brings me back for more. And, uh, you know, it's interesting that you that you hearken back to your original podcast or um, uh, blog name. My, my, my original blog's name was Coley's Corner. Which I thought was pretty pretty solid. <laughs> what a rip That's off! Awesome. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't wonder where I've heard the the corner and it corner thing before. Yeah, whatever. Time for him to move. In the dark anyway. corner of the internet. Yeah, yeah, far far away. Anyway, yeah, I, 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 I was, that's good though, man. I uh, had a chance today, actually, Alex, to read your article on last night's game. Um, you know, despite it being like another infuri- infuriating loss as a as a fan. Um, there were some positive and negative takeaways that you managed to highlight in the article, even though I personally, it felt like an embarrassing loss, kind of similar to the game against Tampa. But, um, what were your main takeaways from that game? Well, if we'll, we'll start with the positives because I'm pretty sure we all know what the negatives are. Yeah. So three minutes. I'll go to what I think are the positives. I thought it was awesome to see uh Kappen get out of his funk. And it's funny because. You know, you look at his stats now. I, I don't know what his stats are off by heart. I think he's got like, what is it, maybe four points in eight games or something like that. But obviously, starting off the season, he's playing alongside of Tavares and Marner, and he didn't look himself all year. He's playing on his off wing, and he's supposed to play a game that, like, Hyman left. You know, we, we all know what Hyman does for that line, and I guess they at least wanted Kaplan to fill that role, and he just couldn't do it. 
So to see him switch to the third line and play in a position he's comfortable in and finally find his stride and, you know, he scored a goal and had two assists last night, I thought it was great to see that he finally seemed to find his game and now he's comfortable where he's playing. Um, on top of that, I mean, Coley, you and I both rave about uh, Ilya Mikhaev there. He's an absolute beauty. Um, just dropping, uh, you know, he, he made a statement last night. Again, he scored that sick breakaway goal. So it's nice to see that he's still going. And um, I'd say those were the two main positives from last night. Uh, when we go to the negatives, uh, Babcock being a fucking moron is a big one. <laughs> and uh, I can, I can, I mean, I'm pretty sure we all know what it is, but there's no justification to not having Matthews and Marner on for the final two minutes. Well, Alex, sir, I just want to interject on that one quickly. Uh, how much stock are you putting into the backlash online that I'm reading where, you know, everyone's saying, well, the Leafs had, uh, you know, extensive pressure in the offensive zone. So there was no opportunity for him to change. I, I, I appreciate that argument from a hockey stance. Um, I still don't accept it personally because Mitch changed for Willie uh, just under two minutes and about three or four seconds later, Kerfoot was four inches away from the bench turning to do a breakout. Like, why can't he get yeah. off and get our best player out there? Um, that's, so that's the exact same concern I had. Like, ultimately, regardless of who's being overplayed, you want Matthews out there for the last two minutes instead of uh, Kerfoot. And no, that's no that's no disrespect to Kerfoot. I he's been he's been really good this year on the third line. I haven't had any issues with him. Yeah, that's my that's my least favorite thing about all this, uh, Alex, is the fact that a guy like Kerfoot and maybe Kapanen, who was out there as well, uh, these guys are going to take the brunt of the shit. When in reality, yeah. it's not their fucking fault that they got tapped on the back. Yeah, exactly. And uh, what was it? What, like, shit, I forget what was the game the other night. Matthews was on in the final minute and he tied it up. That was against Montreal, right? Uh, yeah, yes, that's right. Correct. Yeah, they played Montreal, so that just gives you an idea. They pulled the goalie with a minute left. They had Matthews on the ice, and look what he did. He's got that clutch gene inside him. And honestly, I think the game could have been changed if Matthews was on the ice last night. I'm not saying he absolutely would have scored if given the chance, but it certainly would have improved their chances of taking home, like at least tying the game last night. Well, if Matthews was on to that final two minutes. He's their leading goal scorer too. Like it just, yeah, it just exactly. seems like a no fucking brainer to have the guy on the ice in that situation. But here's the problem: everyone's gonna say, and I have seen this already. They're all saying, "Oh well, we all know how Leaf fans are." They're saying that because Matthews wasn't on the ice, they they had no chance to score. Uh, you're telling me that if Matthews was on the ice, they were a hundred percent gonna score and then go on to win the game. No, that's not what we're fucking saying at all. And to be completely honest with you. I was watching the game by myself. I paused the television screen to look at the to look at and confirm what I was fucking seeing. And he wasn't out there, and I'm thinking to myself, this is bullshit. And I hope and I hope that we don't score because I don't want to score right now and have Matthews on the bench be okay. Yep, because it's not okay. And we didn't no, score, and I felt like a terrible fucking fan because there I was hoping for my team <laughs> to lose. Much the same, I'm going to probably hope that they lose Game 7 this year against Boston because if we win, Babcock is coming back again. Now you're getting carried away. I mean, you know, short-term gain sometimes results in long-term success. So, like, I, I, I can't say I disagree with you there, Goalie. I, I'd be, I'd, 
if, if it meant them winning the cup under Sheldon next year, I'd take another game seven. <laughs> wow. Granted, granted, sorry. If they if they somehow pull the cup win out of their ass this year, yeah, give me that any day of the week. Well, of that's course. the ultimate goal is winning yeah. the cup. Of course, but I think you but, and I both agree, Alex, that this this current situation I don't think is going to get us over the top. No, I, I don't think so either. I think he's just he's too stubborn of a coach, and he – he puts his personal preferences over what like things that can benefit the team. Like another example, starting Michael Hutchison last night. Oh. Yeah, when there was a perfect opportunity. I, 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 don't to mean to, I don't mean to continuously get you going here, Coley, but like, <laughs> it's but always been I, about I think we were all thinking the same thing. Yeah, yeah. Having, as I put having, a quarter like, in Coleman, <laughs> and I saw so many I saw so many comments last night saying. Yeah, well, you know what? What if they did start Hutchison against uh, Minnesota and they lost that game and then they lost with Freddie? Then what if may, what, maybe Babs is just trying to get the guaranteed two points? And it's like, okay, but, you know, if you're going to pull that card and say, what if they didn't get two points? You can also pull the card as saying, what if they got a win in both games? You have to think if it was like, a, maybe a different we, stage we in the season, perhaps he would have, you know, reversed the goalies as you no, said. No, he wouldn't have. Fuck, he wouldn't do that in a million years, man. And he's not going to do it for the rest but of the you, season. Say you really need to get those two points and you're playing a team you're right next to in the standings and it's like you're in a dogfight type situation. I hope it comes true because I bet you he fucking wouldn't. Well, then we'll, we'll need that to find out, I guess. <laughs> I guess. So uh, I want to move on here quickly to uh, get you into some prospect stuff here, Alex. I know you got a bit of a keen interest in that uh, field. But uh, we did have a bit of news this past weekend when the Leafs sent down Rasmus Sandin. Um, were you surprised by this? And do you think this is the right decision for the Leafs? And also, is there a scenario where maybe you see him come back up this season? Um, so my, my knee-jerk reaction was surprised because I thought, you know, I, I, I right away seeing the news, I was like, man, Sandine's been so good to start the year. Why would you send him down? Yeah, I thought but he's been great. In, in the end, once I collect myself and I think, I, I think it, it, I think it was the right move, and I'm not really surprised by it because he's still only 19 years old, and if they were to play him for 10 games, they'd burn a year off his entry level deal. Right. And you know, he's not up here. He's not. He hasn't been the best defenseman on the team. He still had a few kinks to work out, and now he's going to have a chance to work on those kinks and get top pairing minutes in the AHL. And uh, honestly, I don't see him coming back uh, this season, considering Travis Dermott is back in like one month or something like that. And Justin Hall can suffice as a, as a number six. I mean, it's not ideal. He's not great, but he can he can play the he can play the part. He's been he's and, been better as of lately too. It Paul. seems he fought oh, yeah, his way absolutely. out of the doghouse there because it seemed yeah. that he was one of those guys destined to be stuck in Babcock's doghouse for forever until he got yeah. traded. Yeah. No, I really liked what I was seeing from Hall. I think he's been I think he's been pretty good. Like I said, obviously maybe this is just a flash in the pan, but I liked what I've seen from him as the number as the number six defenseman. And it may hurt right now seeing Marinson and Hall as the bottom six pairing, but. When Travis Dermott comes back, everyone's going to forget about Sandine and say, okay, it's a good thing he's in the minors getting those extra minutes and honing his skills so he comes back even better next year. And uh, hopefully we can forget about Marinchin then too. Yeah, oh, absolutely. It's going to be huge. Um, Alex, what would you uh, think of the uh, comments made by, by Babcock when he pointed out that big hit uh, that uh, Sandine absorbed um, which I think was dirty, uh, by the way. Um, was it Abdulkader? Yeah, it was. It was Abdulkader. Yeah. Good guess. Um, I thought that was dirty. I watched it several times. Um, no one seemed to want to even talk about 
how predatory it was. Um, but he got rocked there, and Babcock came out and made some interesting comments, I thought, with regards to, like, parenting. He, he, he talked about being a parent and wanting to protect the kids. I, I just thought that was interesting, and, and I don't mean to pile on, on to Babcock. I understand that I'm the bandwagon driver for the Fire Babcock train and everything, but I thought that was in, an interesting personal side of Babcock that we got to see where he was worried about these guys as human beings and not just as, as hockey players. And I, I wondered if maybe you might want to shed some light on, you know, is that a good line to cross for Mike Babcock? Or do you think sports coaches should just coach the players that they have and, and let the doctors worry about the safety? You know, I'm a little bit 50, 50 on this because I will say, I do appreciate Babcock saying that, you know, as much as, like you said, as much as we like to pile on him, at the very least, it's nice to see that he cares about his players. Right? Right, being human for a minute. Ultimately, you know, hockey's just a game. If you, if he goes out there and suffers a career ending injury and fucks up his head for life, like it's not worth it. But at the same time, you know, Sandine being 19 years old, that doesn't really put him at higher risk of having injuries like that than anyone else. So, I don't know. I, like I said, I'm, I'm sort of 50-50 on it. I mean, it's nice to see Babcock, you know, at least saying, you know, you know, proving that he likes his, he, like he cares about his players and he cares about their health before the game. But at the same time, you know, that hit could have happened to anybody. It's not like him being 19 years old puts him in a danger zone. But that's just my opinion on it. I don't know. Well, and you're playing with the big boys, right? And you can't expect to not get rocked. And I think sometimes the guys may take an extra stride at, some of those young guys to give them their, you know, give them that welcome to the show type run. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that was definitely one of them because I mean, like I said, I didn't really like the hit. Uh, personally, I, I thought he targeted the head and actually was really in an upward motion. I don't quite think he left his feet until after the contact, but even still, if you leave your feet at all, it meant that you yeah. were really, you were really in a situation to try and injure a player versus just hit him, just hit him into the boards, send a message. You no, don't yeah, have to break exactly. his jaw. In- you leave, you leave your feet. The intense clear. It's like you're trying to injure someone. I think so. Uh, one to ask. I, you, I agree 100 percent on that. I wanted to ask you there, Alex, about uh, the fourth line. I know we've seen a lot of turnover, not just on the defense for the Maple Leafs, but in the bottom six as well. Um, it seems that uh, they're kind of hitting a stride and, and you know, maybe from an unexpected place in the form of uh, the GOAT himself. But uh, I know there's a bit of a, a lot of yelling online about Shore and Spezza after the uh, unexpected scratching of Spezza in that first game. So just quickly, like Shore, Spezza, and why? Uh, you know what? I'll be honest. When it comes to the fourth line, I'm per- first of all, I'm pretty sure we all know that Frederick Oche is going nowhere. So he, like he's been he's been very very impressive compared to last year and just previous years in general. So I think he's staying on that fourth line for sure. And when it comes down to Shore or Spezza, I personally give the edge to Shore right now. But I still think I, I don't think Shore's done enough to lock down the fourth line job for the rest of the year. I think the battle's still up in the air. And uh, ultimately, I think the Leafs just have to go with whoever plays better. And I know that seems like common knowledge, but you know. If Shore does end up outplaying Spezza and Shore ends up on the score sheet more, he's better defensively, whatever. Uh, give me the guy that's going to help win games as opposed to the feel-good story. Like, yeah, yeah. We I all love Spezza. You know, I was personally really happy when they signed him because I think they, I think I read about that signing before I read about Shore. But so I was thinking, yeah, Spezza's going to be on the fourth line all year. He's coming back to Toronto. That's awesome. 
and you know what? If Spezza turns it on and he, he proves that he's better than Shore and he can play on the fourth line, I'll be more than happy for that. But when it, for me, when it comes down, it, it all comes down to uh, who plays better. Because, uh, you know, Spezza is a feel-good story, and yeah, it sucks to see him on the bench. But if he's not playing up to expect expectations, and Shore is, I mean, there's no reason Shore shouldn't be in the lineup just because Spezza's from Toronto, right? I think it's a good situation to be in, considering we just saw John Tavares as well go down with an injury, having three guys yeah. on, you know, maybe on yeah. the fringe of your lineup, but that can that can all play center and, and do it competently, win draws. We've seen improvement from Goche. Uh, we saw it last night, actually, that Shore is, is pretty strong on the draw, and Spets, of course, has a lot of experience there. Um, with the Tavares injury, um, do you just take a shot in the dark even. I don't know if you had a chance to to do a lineup blender, but what are you thinking? Uh, do, you, do they move Willie in there, or does one of those guys in the bottom six get promoted? Oh, man, I it, it's honestly hard to say. I do think for sure that with Tavares being out, they're going to give both Shore and Spezza a look in the lineup. But with that being said, I don't know where they'll put – I don't know where they're going to start each guy. I would personally give Spezza a look on the third line to start, see what happens, and if he, and um, keep him on a short leash, obviously. But we just know he's got he's got natural offensive talent, and if you play if you put him alongside of say uh, you know Mikhaev and Kasperi Kapanen or Trevor Moore, I think who knows maybe they can speed up his game. But in the end, I think both of them are going to get a look. And it's just a matter of where they're going to play. I'm not entirely sure on that front. But well, I like your thought about his offensive natural ability. I think that's his his best attribute. Um, his worst attribute, I think, undoubtedly, would be his skating. And the drop pass. Yeah, and the, 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 the drop pass. <laughs> the 2004 fucking drop pass to oh, no special. one. special. Um, okay, so basically what I'm getting at here is I like your idea of putting him in between two go-getters. Um, you might think, okay, well, how can you how can you put that guy with them? He'll slow that line down. I like your, your angle of perhaps helping speed his game up. And I think maybe not so much speeding his game up, but allowing Spezza to play a role that is – Chip and let those guys chase. Support role. Chip and yeah. let those guys exactly. chase yeah, and, yeah. and be very sound defensively. And I feel that a guy like Jason Spezza, with all his experience in the NHL as an offensive player, what is the thing that he's learned the most? Well, I don't think it's how to be an offensive player because he already was an elite offensive player. So for me, the thing that he's learned the most in his NHL career is 200 feet. So at this point, exactly. I think it would be good for him to be that defensive, reliable center on a go-getter line that can put up offense, but also make sure that the puck stays out of our net. Yeah, and honestly, the main reason I did that, uh, I did that comparison for you know slowing the line down is, or not comparison, I guess. But the main reason I had that thought there of slowing the line down was because I was thinking of last year when we when we had Patrick Marlowe playing on the third line and he was slowing down Nas and uh, Cappy, but. Come to think of it, now or I mean, uh, Marlowe's a winger, so he doesn't have as much responsibility for that whole 200 foot game. He, he's supposed to be the job of driving the offense, right? And having him in, you know, he's got cinder blocks in his skates. Like it's not, <laughs> it doesn't look as good from the wing. But I think Spezza, you're right. Being being a centerman and allowing him to focus on the defensive aspect as much as the offensive, I think it it could work for him. So well, I'd you, like to see it to start off. Yeah, your, your positional comment is a, a real important one too, uh, Hobbs, because at center you don't do as many start, uh, stops and starts. There are a lot more swooping <laughs> swooping turns, pivots. You, you're not yeah. stopping and starting as much as you are on the wing. So it could help a guy uh, like Spezza, who definitely you know isn't the, the swiftest of skaters out there. Yeah, yeah. 
100%. Back over to uh, some prospects here, Alex. Um, have you had a chance to watch Robertson play at all this year in Peter Pearl? And uh, would you consider him the top prospect in the organization outside of Rasmus Sandin? So I know I haven't had the chance to watch Robertson this year. I actually haven't been to any OHL games, which I'm kind of kicking myself for because I've been meaning to get to some more. I live literally five minutes away from the uh, the Meridian Center here in St. Catharines, so I'd like to get down and catch catch an Ice Dogs game. Yeah, but right now. Hobbs, Hobbs, we get daily updates on on tricky Nikki Robertson, don't we? Oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> Shout out to a friend <laughs> of the show, Cody <laughs> Jacobs, former guest on the yeah. show. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we all love Cody Jacobs and his pizza updates. <laughs> um, shout out Alex Levert. Yeah, who hates them? <laughs> yeah. So um, yeah. Anyways, on the Robertson front, um, <clears throat> it, it's kind of hard to say if I think he's the uh, the top prospect outside of Sandine because I think he has potential to be the top prospect. But is he the most important to the organization? That's where I have the question because Timmy Lilligren's still there. And, you know, Lilligren, of course, he hasn't, his development hasn't gone as quickly as Sandin's has. But if he, if he develops his game properly in the minors and makes it to the NHL, you've got a ceiling as like a top four right-handed defenseman, which teams rule over nowadays. So, like, I think Robertson, I'm not sure if I'd, I'd say maybe he's the top prospect outside of uh, Sandin, but I'm not sure I'd say he's the most important. But regardless, you know, the fact that Robertson's a left winger is huge because the Leafs don't have as much depth on the team there as they do on the right side with Willie and Marner and True. Maybe, if you want to include him as well. Mm-hmm. I guess so there's I a... Think... Sorry, go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, I was just going right. to say, it, it looks like there's um, maybe a difference, in, like you're saying, in importance and value to the organization just because, you know, this year the Leafs kind of signed a bunch of placeholders and plugs to go on the... Uh, to fill in the holes in defense and let these guys percolate in the minors a little longer. But do you see the Leafs leaving a lot of spaces for guys uh, like Sandin and Lilligren to make the jump next year? Yeah. I could see, uh, yeah, I, I honestly, I think with next year, uh, I think with Sandin now that he's in the AHL and with Lilligren having a full year down there, I think next year both of them are really going to compete for a job on the defensive court. So I think that, Lilligren's even he's also further ahead than Robertson but it's it's hard to say because we really if we if Robertson's development goes according to plan I think we see a potential 50 to 60 point left winger on the second in the top six out of Robertson he's got an elite shot for his size and for his age and I've I've heard that he plays a game kind of similar to like Brendan Gallagher Brad Marchand where you know he's all about scoring goals but he's all about pissing the off pissing off the other team as well we could use a little bit of that I could go for that Having a guy in the top six like that would be huge, in my opinion. So, so uh, sticking with the Pete's uh, momentarily, uh, what about SDA, um, Alex? Uh, first of all, can you pronounce the name for the record? And uh, can you give us a bit of an update there as well? All right, I'm going to give my best shot. I'm pretty sure it's Semyon Der Argachintsev. That's pretty that's good. I think that's pretty well good. I remember we did the same thing to Cody Jacobs. We're like, hit him with the pronunciation. <laughs> right? he's, like, he's like, holy fuck, you guys are coming out swinging, and then he just nailed it. So I was like, all right, he's a, he's a local boy. He knows how to say it for sure. Yeah, well, you know what? You just need to keep reading the name. Like, the first time I ever said his name out loud, I, I'm 90% sure I had a fucking stroke. So it's not, <laughs> it's not, it's not easy. You got you to gotta study up before you actually make an effect make an effort to pronounce his name properly but anyways i i think his uh he looks good his lack of goal scoring is a little bit of an it could pose an issue if he doesn't figure it out while he's still in the juniors because 
you know, he's only scored what, like one, two goals this year so far. And he, I think he only had like six or something last year. So he's not a goal scorer, but the thing is he's, he's a very, very good playmaker. He puts up assists. Like he's still near a point a game every year. And that's almost entirely through assists. You know, he can pass the puck, you know, he can set up his teammates, but I think the, uh, the goal scoring is a bit of an issue. And I think figuring out his goal scoring is going to be his, um, it's going to, it's going to be the, uh, his key to the NHL, not just the NHL, I guess, but the pros, if he makes that out of the juniors. So what he can um, be basically is Jeremy Bracco or Mitch Marner. Kyle Lowood, maybe. <laughs> Kyle Lowood. <laughs> Holy fuck. Well, the dust off of that name. Um, yeah, I see, uh, I, I, you know, if SDA does make it to the pros, his, we all know his strength is going to be his playmaking, but overall, you know, it all comes down to whether or not he can figure out his goal scoring. Because I, you, if he's only scoring like below, like under ten goals every year in the juniors, then he's not going to be scoring at all once he gets to the AHL. Right. Um, it's just I think he's got to figure that out. And if he does, I think he's got a chance to do something in the organization. And you know, he was one of the youngest players in the draft last year. He's still only nineteen or so. I'm, pre- I, I think nineteen, maybe eighteen. I'm not a hundred percent. I didn't, I didn't do my research on uh, FDA's age, but. Yeah, I'm. Uh, if he if he figures out his goal scoring issues, I think he's got a chance. If not, then he might just be a player destined for juniors forever. Mm-hmm. Right on. Well, I wanted to ask you as well about the goalies. I know people are a little spooked now that I think we're what three years into Anderson's contract, four years, so he'll be coming up soon, I believe. Um, uh, Ian Scott, I know, has kind of come out of the woodwork a little bit, having a fantastic run. Um, over, I believe, with Prince Albert in the Western Hockey League last year. And uh, Joseph Wall as well is getting a, a, a good full look at in, at the pros in the AHL level. Um, do, for either of these guys, like, do you see them uh, potentially taking that next step and, and becoming an NHL goaltender at all and maybe playing a role with the Maple Leafs? Yeah, so between Wall and Scott so far, uh, I like Wall's chances better just because he's been he's proven to be the more consistent goalie ever since he's drafted, where Scott, he had, I think, one or two rough seasons after the Leafs drafted him, and then he came out of nowhere with that incredible year. And obviously, Prince Albert was one of the best teams in the WHL last year, so you can use that to kind of like go against Scott and say, oh, you know, he had a great team in front of him. But his individual stats were there as well. It's not like the offense was bailing him out. He was getting shutouts. He even scored a fucking goal last year. Yeah, that's, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Amazing. So, and, you know, he won CHL goalie of the year, and that's obviously a, something great to have on your resume if you're trying to make the pros. But the thing is, is Joseph Wall has been consistently good ever since the Leafs drafted him. He's, just, he's always kept his GAA uh, under three, and he's, his save percentage over nine, like nine ten, we'll say. So, He's, you know, we see like we, we. I think both goalies now that they're in the AHL will have an equal opportunity to compete. But I do think at least one of them is going to be the uh, the eventual heir to Freddie's throne, and I think it'll be Joseph Wall if any of them, because like I said, the consistency's there, and he's already off to a good start in the AHL. He got a shutout the other night for cool. the Marlies, so it'd be nice to see as well because the Leafs you know, development of goaltenders outside of maybe James Reimer has been non-existent, non-existent. in in my lifetime. I feel like. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Could have had two garages. Yeah, yeah. That up. yeah, went for Jason, uh, Justin Pogge instead. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. It took uh, it took the Leafs forever to find an elite goalie. So obviously, hang on to Freddie as long as you can. But 
he's obviously not going to be a leaf forever. And if there is going to be an heir to his throne, I think it's going to be Joseph Wall. And I also like his individual game better than Scott's. I think he's a little more athletic and he's just a little more stable in the net. Looks a little more calm than Scott does. So I like his, uh, I like Wall's chances over Scott's, but again, they're both in the AHL now. They'll have an equal opportunity to, you know, prove, see who's better. And, uh, yeah, eventually one of them will take over, I think. And Wall with a good uh, World Junior uh, presence as well, if I'm not mistaken. Um, yeah. You know, he, yeah. he impressed right. well at camp, and then there was some chatter that he may receive the, the brunt of the starts. And I don't know if you can help me. I'm not putting you on the spot because it's not a big deal. But whoever, whomever the uh, Team Canada brass ended up going with was, was, was the right call, a good starting goaltender, but I can't remember his name. Yeah, that was, uh, that was Mike DiPietro. Yes, the, um, yes. Okay. The, the Canucks prospect. Yes, yeah. So it was a good decision. It's not like not going with Wall was like a Babcocky and decision where everyone was questioning it oh, or anything. Cool. Yeah, Wall was hey, Wall's from the States. We're going to make you. That make was actually Scott for Canada, not Wall. Oh, it was, eh? He's got him all mixed yeah, up. Yeah. Oh, I got him backwards. Oh, I got him backwards. Okay, my bad. Okay, so yeah, me yeah. and Alex can let that go on much I kinda, further. I kind of fed you there. I agreed with you up until you said Canada. I was waiting really, to. I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about either. No, no I was no, thinking, no. I'm like, which one of us is going to tell him? <laughs> yeah, no, that's okay. I, I, um, I, yeah, I just ran with uh, Wall because he was getting the better chatter so he would have been more mad if we let him just hung him out to dry completely and then he listened back and realized he fucked up i wouldn't have cared um we're four years into the five-year contract for frederick anderson by the way you were asking earlier let's go uh so we have this season and then next season at five million dollars per so you know we're talking about the heir to the throne i mean it obviously can't be coming as soon as two seasons from now so with that being said are we anticipating an extension for Frederick Anderson? Are we going to be able to afford uh, a guy like Frederick Anderson? Is he going to play his way into a high number uh, like some of the other goaltenders that we've seen in their contract years? I mean, there's a lot of questions surrounding uh, the goaltending for the team. Yeah, honestly, I think when it comes to goaltending, it's a complete gray area. Once you get to once you get to that, I think I think whatever happens in the next two years is going to determine that for sure. As a fan, I don't even want to think about life after Frederick Anderson. It's the best goal we've had since fucking Eddie the Eagle. And that's a long fucking time ago. Yeah, true. Yeah, there you go. Very true. Now, uh, is there any other prospects, Alex, that you know we might not hear much about that you're high on in the Maple Leafs organization right now, or that you know we might have picked yeah. up late who could be a say a Johnson type later down the road? Yeah, I've got uh, I've, I've got one guy that I've kind of, I'm kind of keeping tabs on, uh, Miko Kokkinen. He's playing over in uh, uh, Finland right now. He's their third round pick this year in 2019, and uh, he, I think he's got potential to be he's a left handed defenseman. Uh, and he set a he set a record in uh, the league of the Finnish league over there for scoring by an under 18 defenseman last year. And doesn't have too many too many flaws in his game. He kind of reminds me of a Travis Dermott type of player, where you know you think of Dermott. And he doesn't really have any aspect to his game that sticks out more than the others, but he's just consistently good at everything. He doesn't really have a weakness either. And I think Hawkins the same type of player. He's just, uh, he can quarterback a power play if need be, and he's also reliable in his own zone. So, uh, you know, he's over in Finland, and it's likely, considering his age, he'll be there for a couple of years, unless the Leafs decide to bring him over to the AHL. But for now, I think, uh, I think he's got a chance to become something in the organization. 
Well, that's good to hear too, especially when you anytime, especially with the Leafs being a cap team like they are now, you gotta you gotta hit outside the first round every once in a while. I mean, yeah. that's how you stay competitive, right? You you know, bringing in cheap cheap young players that uh, that can contribute at an early age. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Bringing in Ilya Mikhaev and hoping to go. fucking extend it. We gotta extend that guy. You know what? If I were if I were Dubas right now, I'd extend Mikhaev to a seven year deal at one million a year. Yeah, see if he take it. <laughs> man, uh, imagine all the fucking soup you can buy with this, bud. Oh man, yeah, exactly. There's some. There's your first sales pitch right yeah. there. Yeah, seven years, one mil, set all the soup you can eat, that... and fucking a book of English for dummies, and you're you're good. Honestly, I wouldn't even give him the English for Dummies book because I love his interviews with the broken English. Yeah, true. Because he's good enough. It's he, cool that he doesn't he, give oh, himself yeah. enough credit. He's he's better than he gives himself credit. It's for. cool that he has the confidence to do Absolutely. it as well. Like right from the first there, game. There are guys. There are guys in Major League Baseball, like Dominican guys, or not just Dominican, I guess, but just non-American or Canadian guys that are in their thirties and they still need a translator. Like I respect Mikhaev for. Yeah, like he literally shoves the fucking translator out of his way and just went after it. <laughs> just <laughs> like, no, 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 I don't need you here. I want to I wanna do this myself. And uh, he, he pulled it off. I mean, we all got what he was saying. So. One of the guys I wanted to ask you about as well, um, kind of impressed me with his uh, puck moving abilities in the preseason, was Timu Kivohalmi. I think I'm saying that right. Um, plays yeah. o- plays over in the uh, Swedish or sorry, the Finnish Elite League, I believe, right now. Um, I wonder if you had a chance to um, get a good look at him and wanted to get your thoughts. Yeah. So Kivohalmi is the guy that I actually I should have mentioned when I was talking about Sandine uh, not coming back up this year because. Personally, I think um, in the event that one of the Leafs' left-handed defensemen go down, being obviously Riley, Muzzin, and uh, Dermott, if any one of those guys goes down, I think Kibbe Holmes is going to be the guy to get the look. And, uh, like, he's still relatively young, but the thing is, at 24, he's not at the point where the Leafs are going to work on him as a long-term project. So it's not like they're going to keep him in the... It's not like he's a 19-year-old defenseman and they, they need to stay, keep him down there and monitor his minutes and make sure kind of shelter him. Like, Kevin Holmes, he's, he's, he's a, not, I won't say a veteran, but he's been playing against men for long enough. And uh, he's not really at the point where, you know, there's going to be a big development process around him. So I think he's, honestly, I had him, you know, potentially making the team this year instead of Sandine, before Sandine had his camp. And um, I, think, uh, I think he's going to be one of the first guys to get a look at this year. And depending on how he does, who knows, maybe they bring him back. But I agree, he did look good in training camp, and I think he will get a look. Absolutely. I think it's an important thing to note, too, when you are playing in a league against men, fully grown men, older men than you, stronger, bigger, faster, et cetera, et cetera. And, and I like how you point out the development. There's no real – we're not looking at a curve here. I mean, there is going to be a curve because there's an adjustment to NHL yeah. hockey and whatnot. But as far as, you know, okay, well, we're, we're expecting him to develop – you know, a little bit uh, faster feet and a better shot. Well, at this point in time, what you see is probably what you get. You'll ha- you'll have a little fine tuning and some yeah. honing of the skills. But it is important to note that this is kind of a a situation where it's almost like a plug and play. Uh, if you do have oh, to yeah, bring absolutely. a guy like that in, like then I like that point that you made. There's no like when it comes to the development, it's not like. Okay, so we're 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 gonna sign you and we're gonna develop you and hone your skills and we're gonna keep you in the organization for five years because we know that uh, we know that you know you're young and you can get better. Like he's already 24 years old, so the only part of the development there's really gonna be is adjusting to North American ice. And honestly, I don't even think there's 
there's not even an adjustment to North American ice that needs to be there because he played hockey in like he played university hockey in, in the states. Oh, okay. So he's more acclimated to this style well, than that's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah so okay. he has so played around. If anything, yeah. maybe to maybe to refresh because he has been in Finland for a few years. So maybe just to refresh and get him back to the speed of North American hockey. But even on that front, like he, like I said, he's played in North America before, so it's not like he's completely new, like Mikhaev. Right. And uh, so I think that's really going to be the only aspect. I think they signed him with the intent that he could fill in for an NHL job if they need him to. And what they didn't really sign him to, you know groom him and turn him like you know like they do with younger players so you gotta help, hope that he comes up over uh, a harper or somebody like that from yeah. the nhl please 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 good boy good <laughs> was six six four every day of the week i yeah. thought he was making the team a hundred percent i thought mike babcock was like getting piggybacks into the rink on this guy oh fuck yeah but we really like what we see with harper he eats his veggies he's a good pro <laughs> Especially when he dropped the mitts in that game. I thought Babcock has just got a semi on the bench right now and fired up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no shit. Well, listen, Alex, uh, I just want to say thank you very much for uh, coming on the show and everything. Uh, you've been fantastic, hey. and uh, we definitely got to do it again sometime. Uh, oh, buddy. Bring, bring me back. Hopefully I'll have a couple uh, couple more college stories this time around. It well, was a great time. That's what I wanted to ask you. We kind of breezed over that, Hobson. I mean, like uh, – your your life in uh, college in Niagara is this your first year down there? Yeah, it is. I so, just started a month ago. Yeah, and you started a month ago, man. Like, has anything has anything gone down? Like, do you have you had anything gone down? I mean, it is Niagara Falls. I mean, let's go. You must be having some something going on down there. Some parties, bachelorette parties. I don't know. Yeah. So I'll be I'll be totally honest. My college, like Niagara College, isn't actually in Niagara Falls. The campus I'm at's in Welland. So. I've been slacking a little bit on that front. I haven't actually made it down to the falls in my first month of being here. But with that being said, uh, we're obviously really close to Brock University here, and they're kind of a party school. So the party scene's here. I haven't been down to the falls yet, like I said, but uh, I, I have seen some things. Like my first week here, I think it was, a right, it was the night of my first day of school, and I went out to this club in Thorold, which is basically like right next door to St. Catharines. And we're waiting outside in line for this club and within two like like these both happened within like 10 feet of me i saw two separate fucking beluga whales just pop a squat and tip right on the <laughs> and it, they happened within a span of 10 minutes and it was the exact same scenario and it was just this guy like they got one of their friends to cover them and they just i, I could have reached out and touched them if i wanted to not that i would have they were not 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 easy on the eyes but <laughs> yeah <laughs> I, I remember just thinking, like, man, that's not flattering at all. I really hope you guys don't get laid tonight. Cause... <laughs> oh, you see some big city characters. And where are you from originally, Alex? I, I'm from Kitchener, Waterloo. Okay, so a little, little so, bit. St. Catharines a little yeah. bit bigger and busier, eh? Yeah, yeah. It's it's like an hour, hour twenty minutes without traffic, which is not not too bad. I'm pretty much back and forth every weekend. Um, have you ever heard of uh, Have you ever heard of Ezra there, Coley? And let's go. No. What did he say? What did you say, sorry? Ezra. It's like a big St. Pa- Patrick's party in uh, Kitchener-Waterloo. No, I can't Happy say that I have. All right, well, there's one street in Waterloo right by Laurier, and it's called Ezra Street, and basically university students just fucking flood the streets every year on St. Patrick's Day, and it's gotten bigger every year. Like last year, I think they reported 32,000 people on the street. Holy shit. Whoa. 
Just and that's up. Pembroke and Petawawa. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, like I, I knew people from St. Catharines who were coming down to Waterloo for Ezra. Just for and it. Wow. It's just a huge, it's a huge senior. I've personally never been. I had something going on both years that I kind of knew about it. But yeah, it's, uh, it's massive. And it's funny because the cops try to shut it down every year, but they don't. They don't, they don't succeed, obviously. A team of 10 cops isn't going to take down fucking 32,000 college kids, right? No kidding. So I personally, like, my, one of my buddies brought this idea up to me, and I, I wholeheartedly agree with him. I think the city would benefit with making uh, making profit out of it. Set up, like, food trucks, live music and shit. Oh, Actually, my God, 100%, yeah. man. You yeah. got 30-plus thousand people. You should do that with 15-plus thousand people. Yeah, honestly, you said you, you set you set up food trucks and, like, greasy poutine and shit like that, and you have a bunch of drunk university students. You're making a fortune off of that. Oh, hey, let's make sure we got some. I'm not let's make sure we got for that idea. One of my buddies <laughs> came up with it. Well, this, isn't, this isn't my brainchild. You hate so taking I, credit. I, 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 my, my ideas are probably the equivalent to uh, Ricky from Trailer Park Boys. <laughs> you hate taking credit for things that were not your idea. You'll be like, man, did you hear that, you know, so-and-so did whatever? I didn't see that. It was it was, it was was my neighbor, Steve, you know? <laughs> yeah. Hey, man, I'm not trying to get dinged for plagiarism. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, okay. I don't need, uh, I don't need to get attacked on Twitter by fucking Mark and shit, you know? <laughs> all the boys. All the boys, yeah. I know we see what he does with Kawa, so. I know, I know. All right, well, speaking of the boys, I'm sure they're looking forward to uh, consuming this episode of the podcast, Alex. And yeah, I echo Lesko's sentiments, man. It's, uh, it's been great, and I'm sure um, we'll have to have you on in the future. I, I know when we were talking about bringing you on, I said, well, you know, what's your shtick? Like, not just going to call some random dude and just talk to him about the Leafs, you know? So yeah, it's yeah. nice that you have that... that um, that avenue, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. You know, you do you do your yeah. writing, your articles with E E I L Editor and Leaf. Uh, you can make sure you follow uh, Alex Hobson, uh, catch uh, all his doings on Editor and Leaf. So it's nice that you have that avenue for us here on the podcast. It makes it a, a real interesting listen, I think, uh, for our listeners. And uh, I, you know, I'm looking forward to uh, actually playing this one back myself because I think it's going to be a good one. Oh yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to hearing the final product. It was uh, an absolute blast to take part in. For sure. Okay, well, right on, man. Thanks again. And uh, goalies go, brother. Behave down there. Uh, I, I guess not in Niagara, but near Niagara. Be Enjoy yourself. Niagara. I'll, 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 behave, I'll behave as best I can near Niagara. Enjoy yourself down there, buddy. Thanks a lot. All right, see you, buddy. All right, thanks, boss. See you, boys. Cheers. All right, man. So that was uh, Alex Hobson, and uh, I think that went pretty well, my man. Guy's got a lot to lot to say. Oh, he's eh? got it, man. He knows. Wow. He knows what's up, and fuck, he's. 20 years old, he's fucking, he's doing a lot and he's accomplished a lot already, man. The guy's on the right track. I mean, more than I was doing when I was fucking 20 years old, I'll tell you that much. Writing articles at 15? Jeez, man. Holy fuck, like, I couldn't find I was time. having way too much fun at university and like, it's it's not very frequently where I'm, I'm like having a chat with somebody who's 19, 20 years old on a true. regular basis. Yeah, true. But it's every once in a while when I do and I hear about them getting back into school or going to school and stuff. I get a little bit, just a little part of me jealous. Mi- just misses that, that life. But then I think about it. I'm like, no, I was poor. I yeah. ate nothing but shit. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I was fucking lazy and whatever. Wait, but so what's little, changed? Uh, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, now, 
No, I'm actually take, take You're not as poor. Oh, I just take <laughs> decent care of myself. You know what I mean? Yeah. I get a haircut on a regular basis. Yeah. yeah. You know, I, I, I wear clothes that aren't sweatpants. Oh, okay. That, those you are know. good points. Yeah. I don't points. drink three to four times a week and yeah. fucking go to the bar and stuff. I eat meals that aren't already prepared in a cardboard box. Yeah, I'm not going to McDonald's at 3 a.m. on a Wednesday asking for <laughs> snack wraps and shit. <laughs> Oh, shit, man. All right, well, I don't know. I think we got a lot of that shit covered. Uh, yeah, we got a good... Wrap it up. Are we wrapping it up? We wrap don't got anything up. else to go with? I didn't know no, if you I wanted to... Tapped out. I didn't know if you wanted to continue... It was a good episode. ...bitching about fucking Babcock at the well, end. Oh, yeah, there. I think we're good on that, but... <laughs> I mean, those first couple episodes we did that were like the uh, preview shows were fucking grinds. They were grinds, it's like yeah. It's like now it's, we're having a little bit more fun loosening up. Hey, we're, we're chipping off the rust. Like, I think it... It's taken me a little bit anyway to, to get everything flowing again. And I agree. I totally agree. I, I don't mean about you. I mean about me. I'm not saying I agree. You're, you're chipping off the rust. We should feel, feel free to criticize each other and say we're shit when we're shit. Yeah, but I don't really think we've been shit too often, my man. I mean, I get a lot of good feedback from that. I mean, granted, a lot of them are buddies of mine that are, you know, mentioning, hey, I'm listening, I'm tuning in. Um, one of my buddies actually today messaged me and said that uh, he's looking forward to some Pucks in Deep swag. He wants dibs on first, you know, hats or t-shirts. Uh, unprovoked by me, by the way. Like, I didn't say, hey, we're thinking well, about doing it. He's like, yo, make some fucking hats and shirts. I'll wear that shit out in public. Fucking sell them, then. So we gotta Just get demand. on that shit. We gotta get on that shit. All right, man, that's a wrap for episode 42. Kyle Wellwood. I'm Josh Coleman. <laughs> I'm Josh Coleman. Adam Lesko across the table with me. Uh, yeah, Tyler Bozak. Thanks for joining us, Trevor Moore. And uh, <laughs> we will see you again next week. All right, take care. I wore 42 in House League. Comb your hair. Adam Lesko, Pepper House League.